Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. How are you going today? I, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm just trying to figure out what in the world to say because sometimes you get lots of time in life to plan and prepare for what it is that you're gonna do and sometimes you kinda just have to shoot from the hip. And I'm gonna give you a little secret. You should never tell people that you're shooting from the hip because then they, they, they know. And the reality is they wouldn't know if you didn't tell them that. But the, we'll let you figure out whether any of this was uh, relevant to today's show or not. But anyway, I hope that you're having a great day. I'm looking out the window, and it looks like the rain has stopped. The world is turning into a crazier place by the minute. But the great news is that God is the same yesterday and today and forever. So stick with us. We're going to have a great show today. We're super excited to be going through and continuing our Bible study on the book of Exodus, following the story of how God sets his people free from slavery in Egypt and takes them by the leading of Moses into the promised land. Lots of great lessons that we can learn from that today. And we're continuing our look at the Passover, which is where we got up to last episode. So you don't want to miss that. That's going to be great. Also, we would love to hear from you today to call in with your questions. And a big shout out to my friend Ross, who said he'd be listening in today. And I I front loaded him and said, hey, you should send us a question. So if you're listening, Ross, that one's for you. And also for anybody else who'd like to call in with any questions that you have. They might be questions about the Bible study we're doing today. They might be Bible questions of other topics. They might be questions about spirituality in general or God, etc. I'm not guaranteeing you that I have all the answers, but what I am guaranteeing you is that we're going to do our best to try and answer your questions and point you in the right direction. So if you'd like to call in today, the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of bum, 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 bum. We're going to tell you after the break. So stick around for that. That'll be exciting. Um, and you can call or text in at the number that's going to come up in just a moment. But before that, we're also doing a discussion topic today throughout the show where you can engage in and you can call or text your response to this question. And the question is today, what is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? So if you'd like to get in on our discussion question, or if you'd like to get in for the running of the prize, send in a question of the week. You can do both of those things by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. We're going to listen to a beautiful song by Jonathan Ogden called Waterfall. Everlasting one. Nothing else compares to knowing you, to knowing you. You're the living God, and my soul it longs to be with you, to be with you. Lord, your love is like a waterfall. Lord, your love. Is like a flowing stream And whenever I'm feeling dry I come to the river I come to the river of Song 
Listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio. Super stoked to have you with us. Um, we are now going to go to a fun, exciting part of the show that I really enjoy. It makes me laugh a lot, and that is our weird and wonderful world segment. So we've got my lovely producer Shell in the uh, studio helping us out with that. How are you today, Shell? I'm good. Oh, tell us a little bit more about your day. Give us like what is, or, or or your week. Tell us oh. something. Give us one reason to smile today. Things what do you reckon? Are, things are a little crazy in the Southwell home at the moment. Are they? Just because the end.digital has started. Yeah. And if you haven't heard of that, that's uh, accessible on the end.digital. You can search that online. You can check it out at the Facebook page called the end.digital, or you can check out the YouTube channel, the end.digital. Right here on the radio, too. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, exciting. That's so you can listen cool. to it right here. Um, yes. So that's really cool. Finding out more about what the Bible says about the end of time. If you haven't checked it out, check it out tonight. It's live at 8, 8 p.m., correct? 8 o'clock on the dot. Fantastic. Yeah. So things probably are pretty chaotic for you. Yes. Busyness here in the morning for the radio, here at night for the for the end of time program. All right. You ready for some fun facts, show? I am. I okay, am. here we go. The first fun fact that I have for you today is about dolphins. Did you know that dolphins sleep with one eye open? Yeah. Very cautious. Yeah, it is. What's really interesting about that, like you've ever, you've, have you ever been told that phrase, you know, make sure you sleep with one eye open, right? Yes. Be aware. Things might be a little bit crazy. But what's really interesting is that researchers have tested whether this keeping of one eye open and shutting down part of their brain, but not all of their brain as a protective measure, um, has long lasting impacts on their energy. And over a five day period, they noticed no difference in their energy levels from doing this. Isn't that interesting? So when they're a bit concerned, they'll sleep with one eye open. (laughs) I love it. Um, how often do you vacuum your house? This is the moment of truth. 
I'm going to be honest and tell you that because my wife is amazing, our house gets vacuumed on a weekly basis. But as a single man before my wife moved in, um, it did not happen weekly. Let's be honest. How about yourself? Once a week as well, but we've got basically wooden floors, so it's not so much a vacuum anymore. It's a sweep. Yeah, sweep. Well, check this out. This is this blew my mind. Are you ready for this? Yep. Vacuum cleaners were originally horse drawn, like a carriage. And the vacuum cleaner was on the carriage. And one of the earliest known vacuum cleaners was so large, it had to be hauled house to house via this horse-drawn carriage. Its giant hoses were popped through the windows of the customer's houses, right? Hose from the horse-drawn carriage, like, right? That kind of horse. The hose goes out from the carriage in through your window and sucks up all the stuff so all your neighbors can gawk at your your dust coming out of your house and into the horse-drawn vacuum. So it was, it it was, was a public on affair. a wagon. Yeah, and it stayed on the wagon. And it stayed on the And wagon. the hose was taken into your house. a ginormous <laughs> engine-y thing. That just... And it was gas-powered. Oh, wow. Pretty crazy. Um, it was stored in a glass container as well, so nice and clear for everyone to look at. So that's like literally hanging out your dirty laundry kind of stuff in front of everybody. Anyway... So they knew how dirty your house was and how often you vacuumed. All right, I got a fun fact for you about McDonald's. You ready for this? Yes. McDonald's introduced the drive-through service for a particular reason. And that particular reason of going through the drive-through to get your food was because of the military in Arizona in America. Now check this out. This is crazy. So the first McDonald's drive-through was installed in a restaurant based in Sierra Vista, Arizona, near Fort Huachuca. However you say that, Huachuca, it might be just Huachuca. Anyway, the military rules at the time forbade soldiers from going in in their uniforms. So, rather than losing all of this military clientele, because that's you know a huge yes. portion of the population, the, <laughs> the uh, manager of the restaurant came up with the solution, cut a hole in the wall so that they can drive through in their uniform, not be appearing in public on their way to or from the base, and uh, they can serve them through the hole in the wall. And that is how the first McDonald's drive-thru was born. That is amazing. <laughs> that is super interesting. Isn't that fantastic? I love this because it's become such a cultural phenomenon in the West, particularly yeah. in places where cars are very prevalent that uh, it's actually changed the way society has worked in many ways. For the better, for the worse, you could talk about that. But here's the point. Ingenuity is often born out of necessity. So take that, apply that, because that's also sometimes true in our spiritual walk. Ingenuity in our spiritual journey is often born out of necessity. Check it out. This is Evie, Live for Jesus.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio, and it's come that time of our show where we uh, talk to somebody about their real-life experiences of how God has been working in their life. But just before we get into that, I just want to do another plug that if you'd like to call or text in with your questions for our Question of the Week portion, your giveaway for the first caller in today is a book about the evidence for Exodus. It's called Patterns of Evidence, Exodus and follows a filmmaker's 12 year journey doing research on that topic. You can call in at 0491064669 or text that same number to get into that. Now, today for our testify segment, we've got our friend Ryan Stanton from the Adventist Media Center. Are you with us, Ryan? Uh, hello. Yes, I have, I believe. Yes, I can hear you. This is good news. Beautiful. This is good news, yeah. my friend. So, um, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, all right. So, um, my name's Ryan. I'm a, I'm a PhD student at uh, the University of Sydney is what I mostly do, but I also do a little bit of work at the media center working for Signs of the Times, which is one of the, um, Adventist Church's outreach, um, uh, efforts. Um, so I write stories for them and edit stories for them as well. Um, awesome. Oh, very cool. Very cool. What's your PhD on? So my PhD is, um, you know, radio people might like this. It's uh, uh, studying podcasts and sort of the intersection between podcasts and um, video games, uh, which is sort of like a niche field, but PhDs have got to be niche. So yeah, very cool. Good on you, man. Good on you. And uh, if people want to check out Signs of the Times, this Adventist magazine, uh, where where can they find that? Uh, so that is um, signsofthetimes.org.au. Uh, I've got a few stories up there. I think they're pretty good. A lot of other people also have some pretty decent stories up there as well. So feel free to go give that a look. Awesome. I have definitely read Signs of the Times, and there's some great material in there. So make sure you guys check it out. All right. Well, we're super stoked to have you on the show today, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time. It's hard to find time for a PhD student. So we look forward to hearing your story. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, so, um, look, my, my story, you know, it's not necessarily my full testimony or anything of, like, you know, the, the life story of how I how I got my faith or anything. I've been born and raised in the church, so, you know, I've always had a degree of faith, but it's, it's wavered at times. And I think one of the things that has actually really brought me closer recently and helped me with this is um, sort of working for the church at the media centre. And... That, that might sound like a very sort of insular sort of thing to listeners who aren't familiar with the church or anything, but I think, I think what it's really helped me do that I think sort of a lot of people might be able to relate to is it has recalibrated my perspectives and expectations of what, a, what church is, what a church community is, and the, sort of the people that are involved in church. Because even being born and raised in the church, in fact, perhaps part of being born and raised in the church, I've had, you know, some negative perceptions about people in the church. The church is an institution, um, you know, uh, very, mm. very strict, very, you know, legalese, very this, you know, you can do this, you can't do this. If you, if you do this, you're going, you know, you, you, you're, you're not a Christian. And if you do this, you are. Um, and that sort of thing. And that has sometimes left a bit of a bit of, taste in my mouth regarding um, Christianity. So while I've had faith, I've sometimes felt, you know, that waver at times because of that. And so, you know, I I did my degree in media and communications. And, you know, as I was starting my PhD, 
I've been looking for some part-time work to sort of supplement myself while I'm doing that um, in the media field. And I, I wasn't really getting anywhere. And somebody sent me a message um, from, from the media center, one of my friends from church being like, hey, do you want to, you know, do some work for us? We're looking for somebody to do a little bit of part-time work. And I, I almost said no because, you know, I thought I don't want to be working for that institution that I don't. You know, I, I don't align with some of the some of the beliefs and ideas and and whatnot that I feel like they put forward. And so I, I almost said no, but I was like, well, I'll, I'll do the interview, see what I do, see see how you know much I'll be having to work, um, put put my name on it, and you know, be associated with it because that's that's kind of partly why I didn't want to be super associated with it. But when I when I did start and when I did do the interview and when I did get the job. I realized that a lot of those uh, misconceptions are sort of wrong at, at the very least about the people that are working there and the, and the, you know, the work that the church is trying to do in that regard. I think that, you know, it, it had really opened my eyes to the church being a lot more open to discussion of controversial ideas and, you know, some, some things that, you know, I, I thought was sort of sacred cows that the church didn't want me to talk about they've sort of encouraged me to, to write about that. I wrote an article a while back about the sort of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that, you know, the church has, a, in, in the perception of some people, the church is very much like a, we shouldn't discuss that. That's not, that's not our place. That's not important. But, you know, I was encouraged to, to write this article sort of analyzing what justice is and, and how, you know, it, it affects people. So being able to, understand the ways in which the church really does want to engage on all these issues and you know does, does not want to be as out of touch as some people might think I think that was really sort of enlightening for me and it sort of solidified some of the doubts I had um, yeah that's does, really does cool. that make sense yeah that's really cool Ryan it reminds me of a, of, of a passage in I think it's John chapter one where they <laughs> I can't remember if it's Nathaniel or Philip, and he comes and he's, I think it's Philip comes to Nathaniel, if I remember correctly, and he's like, hey, tell, we found the Messiah, he's, he's from Nazareth, and he's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he just says, come and see, right? Like, come and test it for yourself. And I think that's a really cool, really cool thing that you're experiencing there. It's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing that it kind of reminds me a bit of as well is, is Thomas, like this, the story of Thomas. I've always, you know, I think it's very important that one of the disciples is the one who is, you know, a bit of a skeptic, a bit of a doubter. And, you know, even when he's confronted with Jesus, he sort of has to see see the holes, put his, put his finger through it as well. And I, I think that's sort of a bit what I've been doing there to, to a certain extent, um, which has been, which has been um, a, a great experience. That's and awesome. so I, I think, I think for anybody that is, sharing those same doubts that I have about the church. And, you know, I, I think, you know, whether, whether, whether they're a member or whether they're somebody who just sort of knows them from what they've seen from people and what they've, what they've seen in media, don't let a bad experience color your, your perception of the, the entirety, because I think, I think it's important to get to know a wide variety of people and see what it is like for yourself, because, it can be different to what you thought. That's totally cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure to have you. May God bless you in your PhD and your continuing media work. And uh, 
Be encouraged, listeners, to test things out for yourself. This is Nathan Pacheco forever. The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. One final breath He gave as heaven looked away. The Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave. The war on death was waged. The power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be. 
FM, positively different radio. Did you know that 80% of Faith FM's operating budget comes from supporters like you? It takes 700 people just like you giving just a dollar a day to keep us running. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and partner with Faith FM today. And for just a dollar a day, together, we can reach Australia with life-changing messages of hope. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. This is my Father's word, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and around me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees. Skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world, the birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my Father's world, He shines in all that's fair, in the rustling grass, I can hear Him pass, He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world, oh let me This is Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and it's just about time for us to get started into our Bible study. But before that, let's uh, let's hear from some of our discussion responses. So again, our question today for our discussion response is, what is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? So what do you have for us, Shell? All right, so two people have the same verse, so I'll share that one first. So Tom and Ian both said that Galatians 2 verse 20, isn't it? Yes. I know it because I know that Tom and that's his yes. favorite Bible verse. All right, let's hear and do it. Do you know the verse? 
Uh, not well enough to say. <laughs> <laughs> I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, it's so beautiful. I do love that verse. That, so Tom, one of those guys, thank you, Tom and Ian. Uh, Tom was a housemate of mine for a time. He's a, a chaplain at a, a Christian school up north called uh, Blue Hills College, where my wife actually used to work as a chaplain previously as well. So, um, yeah, I'm familiar with that passage. Yeah. It's a great promise, isn't it? Yep. I am crucified with Christ, right? All the, all the old things are gone. It's now Jesus living in me. It's not me. It's Jesus living in me. Awesome. It's beautiful. It I love it. Amazing. I love it. So if you'd like to tell us, we'd love to hear from you. What's, what's a, a, a quote or a Bible verse that has changed you that you, you would like to put out into the airwaves that we might be able to share with some other people? Or if you'd like to call in with a question about the study or about God or about the Bible or any of those kinds of things, we'd love to hear from you today. Again, our first caller in today with a question for the question of the week portion of our show at the end of the show is going to receive a free copy of a book called Patterns of Evidence Exodus. Um, in 2002, filmmaker Timothy Mahoney, this dude, went to Egypt trying to answer the question, did the Exodus story as written in the Bible really happen? And through this book, he tells the story about that journey and what he discovered about whether or not Exodus really did happen. So if you'd like to get your hands on that, send us a question. You can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right, well, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into our Bible study. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you are so good and so faithful that you have sent us not only your word, but your Holy Spirit to teach us and to live in us. We pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last time we went through the ninth plague and maybe even the eighth plague, I can't remember. And we went through the rest of that story and we, we, it, we learned that Moses went to Pharaoh and, in, and instructed Pharaoh and those who were listening that the tenth plague was coming and that the firstborn of Egypt, all the firstborn males, were going to die. And in this announcement of this plague, we then learned after that that God speaks to Moses and says, this is how you can be saved from this plague. It's very interesting to note that it was the firstborn son. There's a lot of symbolism there, and we'll talk probably about that as we go throughout the Bible study. But we also discovered that the, the, the method of salvation was going to come through what was called the Passover or the Paschal Lamb. And we discovered in Exodus chapter 12, which we're going to be continuing in from here. So Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament, Genesis, then Exodus. We are, we discovered that the process was that they would take a lamb who was not very old. I'm just struggling to find it there in the text. Um, a, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, they would take a lamb and they would slaughter that lamb. It lived with them for, if I remember correctly, approximately four days from the 10th day of the month to the 14th day of the month. And then they would sacrifice the lamb. And what they were to do with the lamb was to take the blood and they were to put it on the lintels or the sides of the door, sorry, the doorpost and the lintel, the cross beam on the doorway. And it was the blood of the lamb that would cover them. And we're going to start this verse in chapter 12, verse 12. And it goes like this. For I, this is God speaking, for I will pass through the land of Egypt 
on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Whew! This is such an incredibly significant passage, right? Salvation was available, and salvation was available on one metric. Did you believe that God's promise was true enough to say yes to accept the sacrifice? Did you believe and therefore take the blood of the lamb that was slaughtered, put it over the lintel and the doorposts, and then stay in that place waiting there for the angel of the Lord to pass over, or the angel of death rather, to pass over and experience salvation. And I love this, right? Because God says, what's, what's the metric? What's the measurement here? He says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and you will not experience the judgment that is coming on Egypt. All the firstborn males of beast and of man are going to die who do not experience, willfully choose to accept this sacrifice. And it's interesting to note that it's a matter of choice. You have to choose to come into that house and stay there where the blood is covering you. Or you can choose to reject that, to disbelieve and to go outside. But then the impact is there and the firstborn in your family, the firstborn male of the house is not covered is going to experience that. Fascinating stuff here. And I love, I just love this because it highlights the most beautiful, powerful truth. And that's that salvation comes through the blood of the sacrifice of God, who is Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, as we talked about last week, calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is by the covering of the blood of Jesus that we can be assured of salvation in the day of judgment. I love this picture. This is so beautiful. And the response of the people is to accept that sacrifice, accept that for them on their behalf, and to stay in the house where the blood is covering the entryway. And as they're there, God sees that blood of the covenant, and he passes over, and they are marked as innocent and do not receive the judgment that's coming on those who are not receiving the blood. This is the Passover song featuring Sean Carter.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio. And before we get back into our Bible study on Exodus chapter 12, we're going to hear some more discussion responses to this question. What is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? Um, so I've already forgotten. So someone's just texted through. Do you remember what their name was? It was my friend Ross, actually. Ross, okay. And his verse was First John 4, 8, which is, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Ooh, I love it. It's a very powerful verse. I love it. Did we want to do one more? Oh, sure. Let's do another one. Okay. So someone else, Sky, has said Joshua 1, 9. Now, I do know that one. That one's, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Right? I love it. That's right. Great verse. I think it's right. Yeah. It's what I remembered it being. Something like that. It's a scripture song. Yeah, That's beautiful. Sing that one. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I, I love both of those passages. I love the idea that God is love. And it's not just an idea. It's a fact. Yeah. But it's, it's such a crucial fact that God is love because it changes everything when we understand that. Everything that God does is is out of love. And it's so good it's to be able to have these verses just hidden in your heart so that you can just call on them when you need them. Totally. And I love that, that God, this God of love is telling you in the midst of difficulty when he speaks to Joshua, he's, he's called to a huge task, a scary task, a difficult task. And he says, be, of, be strong and of good courage. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm with you. You can be strong. Because I will be your strength, right? I just love that. Beautiful, beautiful ideas. If you'd like to call in and get your responses into telling us what a memorable, well, to, to sharing with us a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you, you can call or text in. And if you want to send in for a question of the week for our question of the week segment at the end of the show and get in for the first caller who is going to receive the free copy of a book about the evidence for whether or not Exodus really happened, uh, you can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. All right, we're back in Exodus chapter 12, and we've just been talking about the fact that the blood is going to be spread on the doors and... When that blood is there, God will pass over, see the blood, and protect those people. So check this out. He continues in verse 14, and it says, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. Now, leaven is yeast, by the way. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Almost there. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. Bread. Whew, it's a mouthful. 
Okay, so basic. Uh, the basic recap is there was uh, the the feast would go for seven days. The first day was kind of like a Sabbath. There was no work to be done except for the slaughtering of the lamb and the preparation of the food, etc. And then the last of the days would be a similar thing. A holy convocation. And in that time, they were not to have any bread that was leavened. Now remember, they were about to be running out and evacuating. There's not time to let the bread rise. It is of utmost importance to be on the move because when, when the command will come from Pharaoh, it's time to go. And so God tells them to eat this meal with belts on, with their sandals on their feet, ready to go, right? They're supposed to be eating it in haste, waiting for God's command to be set free. And I love this, right? There's just, there's just, I think there's so many cool things out of this. But the, the first thing I just want to say is this. When you think about this idea that God is calling for his people to have a memorial, something that they would keep regularly every year, a tradition that would be kept for the purpose of reminding them of what God had done. And notice, he's instituting the Passover feast before it's even happened. But he says, when you go into your future place, even when you're in the promised land, you're going to continue to do this. And the reason for this is to remember what God has done. But it's not the only reason. It's not the only reason that they do this, just to remember. But it's also that all of the feasts, all of the festivals, they point forward to pictures. They're, they're, they're little pictures that point forward to things that Jesus would really accomplish in person. So what's super significant about this is we see this principle of what's called type and anti-type. In other words, the symbol and then the real thing. And so the Passover feast was one, it was a remembrance of the Passover, but it was also pointing forward to the sacrificial service of the lamb for the salvation of people who would be passed over from the judgment that's coming on the world and the devil and his fallen angels that would be given to those who accept the blood of the Lamb. So there's this whole concept of a memorial is a good thing because it helps us to remember. It also helps to point forward to the significance of what it was symbolic, ultimately symbolic of on the next level. Secondly, what, what's the deal with leaven, right? Like Jesus sometimes says, don't let the, don't, don't, <laughs> don't be impacted by the, the yeast of the Pharisees, right? Well, let's, let's make a couple of quick points about leaven or yeast. Number one, Yeast spreads. You take a little bit of yeast, you put it in your dough for your bread, and it spreads through the bread, right? Like the idea is that, that it spreads. One of the things that we see in Scripture is that this idea of leaven or yeast is used in such a way that it's, it's often talked about as a bad thing, right? And let me give you a con- an example of this. Like Jesus says, do not be impacted by the, you know, the yeast of the, of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. But check this out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, and he's speaking about immorality in the church to the church of Corinth, right? In the, in the beginning of the chapter, he says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, like, like that is among the believers in the Corinthian church. And he goes on to talk about this major issue. And when he comes to, he comes to verse 6, he says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? In other words, a little bit of bad is going to spread through the whole thing. And then he says in verse 7, Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, that is of dough, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, 
nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And I love this because the idea that's being expressed here is this lead up to the Passover, right? This seven days of unleavened bread. There was no leaven, no yeast was even to be in the house. And the idea is cast off the the sins that hold us, the the things that hold us back, malice, envy, immorality, all of these things that keep us. Take those things out and come to God in sincerity and truth and come and accept salvation as it is offered to you freely by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is Ron and Patty Valiant. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty Lord, 
This is Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're doing a... Well, I'm super excited about this Bible study. We're studying Exodus chapter 12, talking about the Passover. And uh, before we get back into that, we're going to have another discussion response, I believe. And our question again today is, what is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? So what do you have for us, Shell? So Lyle says, 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What a promise, man. What a promise. You know, one of the things that is significant about this is we're, we're not hearing how these things have changed people or why, but... There's a real sense, I think, in which each of these quotes that we've heard, which have so far have all been Bible verses, they just they sing out to me things that that signi- that are significant in terms of experiencing change, right? Like they give hope for change. They give a different idea about God than perhaps has been given to us before. 
They give us a clearer picture of who he is. They give us all of these cool things. And it's interesting because I'm curious what the reasons are, why, how these things have changed people's lives. So if you'd like to get on that discussion question, send in a, a quote or a Bible verse to us. You can also include a reason how it's changed your life if you'd like. And uh, you can also send in a question of the week if you'd like to get in for our question of the week time at the end of the show. And our first caller in, again today is going to receive patterns of evidence, evidence for the story of Exodus and whether or not that actually matches with reality. So don't miss out on your opportunity for that. You can send a question in or get your discussion topic response in at 0491-064-669. We are back in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to continue our story from Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. But before we say that, man, how beautiful was that last song, by the way? Oh, so beautiful. I had to look it up so that I could... uh, Go check it out later, I think. I like that. Rivers and Robots, that was the name of that that group. Uh, I think the song was called White as Snow. But before we move on, I just wanted to make one more point. There's some serious significance to me about this week-long time of unleavened bread, right? No leaven's even allowed to be in the house because it might just infect the rest of the bread. And there's one thing that I think is really significant in that, right? When, When they're coming to the Passover... Leaven, which is often used as a symbol for either sin or, or malice or envy or anything negative that's going to spread like cancer, right? This idea is that there's confession, there's repentance, there's the laying aside of falsehood to take on the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And Paul makes rightly the claim that the Passover lamb was pointing forward ultimately to the Christ, to Jesus being the Passover lamb for all of all of humanity to have salvation from sin. And I love this, from sin and death. And I think the idea is just so clear to me. The unleavened bread and and then the Passover, right? You've got confession and repentance and being covered by the blood. Isn't that beautiful? Just this idea that we we lay aside the leaven, we confess our sins, we repent of sin, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb in this beautiful process, and God is saving us by His grace. It's so, so profound, so profound that it's here in these symbols. Anyway, let's continue. Verse 21 says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And before we get any further, I just want to highlight something here. Moses instructs the people not just to, not just to get a lamb somewhere, have somebody else slaughter it, but I think it highlights something very personal. The lamb was taken into their house and would be a part of their family essentially like a pet for four days. This allows time for your kids to become close to the lamb. It becomes, you know, something valuable and significant to you. The innocence becomes apparent, the tenderness, the helplessness. And it's at this point, after four days, that you take the lamb for your family and you kill it with your own hands. And in a very significant sense, this highlights the reality that Jesus's death was not just for sin on a big level. It was death for our sin, personally. And doing it by our own hand with the Lamb signifies the significance of the personal cost of Jesus for us individually.
This is Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, we've got our next response to our discussion topic. And I think we've got, is it John? Yeah, we got John on the line. Awesome. So the question today was, what is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? Are you with us, John? Yes, I'm with you. Awesome. What's the, yes. the quote or Bible verse that you've got for us that's impacted you so? Well, it's out of John 14, and uh, the disciples were sort of all worried about it and said, well, Jesus is talking about the Father all the time. And Philip came out and said, well, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And then I understood the Trinity. Bingo. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that verse. And um, just briefly, um, how, how has that impacted you? Well, it helped me see the Trinity for what it was worth, that Jesus is the Father, it's the Holy Spirit. Mm. They're all three in one, one in three, yet three different people. Yeah. It's beautiful, so isn't it? Well, that's the mystery of God. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, John. It's so lovely to hear from you. You have yourself a blessed day. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to jump right back into our Bible study, but there's still time to get in with your questions for question of the week or to respond with your response to the uh, discussion question. You can do so by calling or texting 0491-064-669. All right. We're back in Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 22, and it says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you, to come in, uh, uh, verse 24. <laughs> and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Oh man, there's so much in here that we're probably not going to be able to do it all justice by any means um, in the time that we have. But I want to just highlight a couple of things. Notice this, point number one. Not only did they take the blood, they took the blood on a branch of hyssop. Now, hyssop was a plant that was used medicinally, and it was used in a number of places in the Old Testament. But it was basically an antimicrobial, anti-insecticide, so it was used as a cleansing agent. So notice this. Not only is the blood going to cover you, but the blood is used to cleanse. And hyssop is what's used to take that and smack it onto the door as a symbol of the blood not only covering, but cleansing you. Isn't that beautiful? Second point that I think is huge. Notice they didn't just gently wipe it or brush it on the door. They strike it. And this is super significant because the word strike comes up four times in this little paragraph. He says, strike the lintel on the doorposts, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And this is a super significant, theologically rich point. The point is this. 
the punishment of being struck that was coming in fair and just judgment on all of Egypt was going to be avoided by the blood that was going to be struck onto the doorposts. And don't miss the significance of this. Jesus was struck with the destruction that is due to all sinners, including me. And I love this idea. Jesus was struck for my own sin. He has taken the penalty that I rightly deserve as the sin and death cause the consequences of sin are death, right? The wages of sin is death. I deserve that. Every human being who has chosen to do these things, we deserve this. But Jesus says, I will take the striking that you deserve. And this is symbolized in the cleansing that comes by the blood that's struck on the door. Isn't that so profoundly beautiful? Jesus took the penalty for you, for me, and we have access it access to it by grace through faith to accept the covering of his blood for us. This is Aaron J. Robinson, our great Savior. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Say 
You're listening. Oh, am I on? Oh, I thought I, I like, I saw the red lights and I panicked. Uh, you're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM. Super stoked to have you. Now I'm going to do one last shameless plug for question of the week, uh, because this is the last chance for me to say anything about it. So if you'd like to get in a question for our question of the week, the first caller today is going to receive a free copy of a book called Patterns of Evidence, Evidence for Exodus, following a filmmaker Timothy Mahoney's 12-year journey of discovery, searching to find whether or not the exodus of the Bible really happened. And the first person who calls in with a question for our question of the week will receive that for free. And it is, you can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. All right. Um, last discussion response questions. Okay, so this one is from Margie, and she says, Hi, Shell and Robbie. When I lost my first husband, I didn't know how I was going to carry on. Then my sister gave me a cross-shaped bookmark, and on it was printed, Be still and know I am God. It was like a shower of comfort over me. I've lived with it ever since. Blessings to you guys. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Margie. In times of distress, that promise of peace that comes from God is sometimes the, the, the most important thing, isn't it? Being still, knowing that God is going to take care in the midst of the struggle that He is present. That's beautiful. All right. Let's get back right into our Bible study. There's so much more to say, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can save it for the end. I've got it written down for later. But there's so much to say about that passage we just read. I think it's really significant just before we move on that it says, then the children of Israel, after Moses had said all these instructions to them, it says they went away and did so. They acted on their faith. They believed what God had said through Moses, and they acted accordingly, and they responded, and they experienced the grace that came through the blood of the Lamb. All right, let's read on with verse 29. And it reads, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Whoa, it's a heavy passage. In the Israelite camp, there's no mention of people being lost because apparently everybody responded in faith. But in Egypt, the firstborn dead in every house. It says it wasn't a house that was, that was, not bereft. And I think that there's one thing that's really significant about this. The judgment that is due to all men can be escaped by the grace that's extended from God to us through the blood of Jesus. But that judgment is, is you can't be protected from it by any other means. It hits the rich, it hits the poor, it hits the intelligent, it hits the unintelligent, it hits the qualified, it hits the unqualified. The reality is you're not saved by merit of anything of yourself. You're saved by merit of whether or not you choose to accept the salvation that is offered to you and to dwell in that saving grace. Super profound. Verse 31, Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Finally, we see Pharaoh's tune changed. But what's going to happen with that, we wonder. Verse 33, And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. 
In other words, get them out of here before something even worse happens. There's no hope if they, if they don't go. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And notice that their plundering of the Egyptians is not taking things by force. It's not even, it's not even going around and trying to figure it out. It's, it's the people came and threw their, threw their possessions at them. Take it, take it, go. And they plundered them at, at the, the behest of the, the people themselves. And here comes the verse that I've been waiting for, this whole study of Exodus. Are you ready for this? It goes like this. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth about 600,000 men on foot besides children. And this is the point that I've been waiting for for weeks. You've got over a million Israelites who have chosen to accept faith Grace by faith, they're saved, they're walking out, God is rescuing them. But is it just about Israel? Was it just about God's chosen people? Or did God desire for anyone else to be saved? Was it more than just about Israel? Check this out, verse 38, Exodus 12. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds a great deal of livestock. And the point that I want to make here is so simple. God came for the purpose of saving everyone who was willing to accept it. Sometimes I think I have to be perfect for God to use me. I think I have to know it all. Never stumble, never fall I focus on all my inadequacies Instead of what Christ can do through me I forget to trust and I can't quite see That God doesn't call the qualified He qualifies the call And He'll supply your every need We choose to give Him all You can be too big for God to use But you'll never be too small Cause God doesn't call the qualified He qualifies His call There is no one too young to serve No one too
Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio, and I'm wondering, Shell, what what time is it? can't get over it oh man that's too funny all right well we have a question in today i i missed the name well uh, i forget the name sorry do you have the name i'll read the question and you can tell me if there if we've got the name so we had a question come in during the week super excited to have a look at this question the question is is the rapture true and is it in the bible great question you have no idea of the, who the who the name was for that do you shell dun 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 that's okay. Sorry, I'm not finding it fast No, that's enough. all right. Don't worry. If it comes up later, you could say it at the end. All right, so the question is, is the rapture true and is it in the Bible? It's a very relevant question. It's a very fair question. And uh, let's have a look at what the Bible says about it. So for those that are not aware of what the rapture is, um, uh, typically there's there, there might be a couple of different views out there, but the basic definition, I would say, of the rapture would be what's often referred to as the secret rapture. So let's talk about what that is, what that allegedly is, and then let's talk about whether or not it's in the Bible, and we'll have a, a bit of a look at it. So the idea of the rapture is that prior to the second coming of Jesus, the the before some purported seven years of tribulation, depending on who you ask about it, um, Jesus is going to secretly come as a thief in the night and to take the redeemed, the saved, the saints away from the earth before the tribulation takes place. Um, and there will be time then for those who are left on the earth to change their minds, make up their minds to seek for repentance, etc. And that in those that are, are raptured away will disappear. Um, one will be taken, one will be left, etc., etc. So that's the idea of what the rapture is. If you're not familiar with it, if you are familiar with it, that will make sense. This question came from Teresa. So thank you for your question, Teresa. Um, we hope that the, what we look at is informative for you. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that it would be true from scripture what we look at and be a blessing. Okay. So there's a lot that could be said on this subject, but, the the first place that I'd like to go is let's have a look at the primary verse that's used to talk about the rapture and let's see what we can glean from that um, and then talk about kind of the, the idea of when does Christ come. So the place that we're going to start is Matthew chapter 24. So this is the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. Now check this out. It says, and Jesus, by the way, is speaking here. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. And in the context of Matthew 24, he's speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which takes place in AD 70, and he's also then talking about the day of the second coming, the, the, which is what the, they ask Jesus in Matthew 24. What will be the sign of your coming, right? So he's speaking of that day, of his coming. So, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So nobody knows the day or the hour that Jesus will return, talking about his second coming. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the, sorry, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be parallels between the second coming of Jesus and the days of the flood. Now that gives us some very, very powerful um, illustrations. He says, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. 
Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. And before we read any further, let's just, just, let's just make a point here. If we're making a comparison of when Jesus returns, is it going to be a secret rapturous event or is it going to be a, a visible event? The, the thing that's very clear here is that the flood was seen by everybody. Those on the ark could have looked out the windows of the ark and seen it. And they were saved. Those who were on the earth, they saw the floodwaters rise and they perished. So it was the same day, it was the same event, and it was available to be seen and witnessed and experienced by everybody, including the saved and the lost. So that gives us a bit of information there. Now, the the verse that many people use when they talk about the secret rapture is actually this verse here, where it says, Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And the question that we have is in that context, what's being referred to? And the reality is the ones that are taken are the people in the flood scenario who are destroyed by the flood. They're taken away by the flood. But those who are left are the ones who are remaining in the ark, which is the method of salvation that they that they are employed. So interestingly enough, it seems from what Jesus is saying here, very plain, that the rapture is the, this, the idea of the secret rapture and the second coming being something that's secretly coming to save is not is not is not what Jesus is talking about here. Does that make sense? Sorry, that was a little unclear. Jesus is saying that the day of the destruction of the lost is the same as the day of the salvation of the saved. When Jesus comes, there's going to be one event. He continues. He says, "Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming." But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And the point that I think is, I just want to make there is that Jesus is saying it's the same event, and it's coming not secretly like a thief comes secretly and nobody knows, the the but he's saying that the time at which the thief is going to come and do the, the do the do the action is unknown and if you had known what hour you would have been ready right so i hope that makes sense anyway <laughs> he then goes on and gives another parable i'm just looking at the time and i'm racing because i'm thinking there's a bunch of other stuff i wanted to look at um if you'd like more information about this teresa just call or text in and we can send you a resource that goes through this in great much greater detail um, through scripture, you can have a Bible study on that. He then goes through and tells another parable, um, and in a similar fashion. And this, in this parable, he says, all right, so there's a servant who's good, there's a servant who's wicked. Now, if the servant in verse 50 of that, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour when he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him as portions with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the point is, the coming of Jesus as a thief in the night is the same event for the saved and the same event for the lost because it's the one and same event when second coming happens when jesus returns the wicked are lost and the saved are saved and he's making that clear that that's the same event he uses the same kind of language to talk about the destruction of the wicked and the salvation of the saved there now there's a couple of other verses and we are quickly running out of time so i'm just i'm not going to read them but i'll i'll oh yeah we can get more time yeah i'll take some more time there shell um I just want to look at a couple of quick verses because the idea that the that the that this event is secret goes against kind of a number of things that that are said about it elsewhere in scripture. 
If we come to Revelation 1 verse 7, it's speaking of that very same event where the saved are saved. In Revelation 1 verse 7, it says Jesus is coming, right? It says, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And so if every eye is going to see him, it can't be secret, can it? Um, if we go to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, it speaks about the translation, we might say, of the saved. And it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. So three very loud things. And it says, And the dead in Christ will rise first into the sky. Then we who are alive and remain, speaking of the saints, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So notice it was not only visible to every eye, it says in Revelation 1-7, but it's also incredibly loud, loud enough that he uses a trumpet, the voice of God, sorry, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and a shout. Three loud um, explanations. <laughs> Two quick ones. Let's go back to Matthew. We're going to go back to Matthew 24, verse 27, earlier in the very chapter chapter that we read before. And Jesus is speaking of this same event, and he says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. No matter where I am, I can see the lightning all the way across the sky. So again, it's visible. Matthew 25, verse 31, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And the point I want to make there is just that when one angel appears, Daniel falls down as if he's a dead man, and he passes out on the ground as in a deep sleep. When the angels appear in the resurrection scene at the tomb where Jesus was laid, the, the soldiers are stricken down, like they're, they're struck with awe, they're, they pass out from the sight of one or two angels, right? Like... The reality is, it says every angel comes out of heaven and is with Jesus at this moment. So the question that I would ask is, when we look at this, is it a secret event? Could it possibly be that the secret rapture is what's being described in these in these verses? And I think the honest answer is no. It's going to be visible to everyone. It's going to be loud. It's going to be supernatural. Dead people are going to be coming out of their graves and going up into the sky. The saved are going to be translated into sinless bodies and raised into the sky, meeting Jesus in the clouds with every angel that's emptied out of heaven. There's no way that this can be a secret event. Um, so the short answer there, Teresa, is it seems to me, from the evidence that's there, very clear that the secret rapture is not true. And it is not written there in the Bible, but that Jesus is coming soon and that event is going to be global and that event will be the last decision for all mankind will have been made. There will be no more second chances after that. The second coming of Jesus is the be all, the end all, sealer of the deal. So let's make the most of our decisions today. We'll be done with the troubles of the world. Going to live with God. No more, no more weeping and wailing. No more, no more weeping and wailing. No more, no more weeping and wailing. Going to live with God. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear. Now is 
mistake Humbling your heart to God Saves from the chastening rod Seek the way pilgrims trod Christians away Jesus is coming soon Morning or night or noon Well, many will meet their doom Trumpets will sound will surely sound All of the dead shall rise Righteous meet and the shortest song ever i hope i don't even know who sang it but i hope you enjoyed that snippet we're going to do our application section now and um we're going to we're going to try and get real and get practical so we've just gone through previously before our question of the week and thanks again teresa may god bless you we're we were looking at the story of exodus 12 and the passover and i mean there are some great things that we can draw out of this story what can we draw out of this passage of scripture um, Exodus chapter 12 talks about some incredible things. One of the things that sticks out to me and is super significant is that in all of this chapter, in all of the story of the Passover, we see incredibly significant, meaningful symbols that are pointing forward to the death of Jesus for the sins of humankind. And I love this because we can learn that the blood of the Lamb 
is sufficient to cover the sins of humanity. Not just the global sins of humanity, but your sin, my sin, your evil and wrongdoing, my evil and wrongdoing can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood is sufficient to cover us and protect us from the right judgment of destruction that all humanity deserves. This idea is so profound that it's hard to come up with a better idea. Like, it, there's, there's nothing better than this. But the point that I think is really significant here is that choice is highly involved in this, right? Jesus pays the price for all of the sin of all humanity, but only those who choose to enter into the home covering the door with the blood of the lamb that has been shed for them are the ones who experience that. And the point is huge. Because, you know, that passage, there was a verse that was mentioned earlier in our discussion topic, 1 John 4, verse 8, where it says, God is love. Now, here's the thing. If God is love, then freedom is, is it's precipitated by freedom. Freedom is necessary for love to exist. And God never violates our free will. We have the choice to choose to accept the blood of the Lamb shed for us or to reject it. And you and my, and you, my friend, me, we have the privilege and the opportunity to say yes or to say no to that. And that is what's exemplified in this story. So point number one, it's a matter of choice. Saved by grace through faith, a matter of choice. Number two, uh, another lesson practically we can take out of this, um, memorials. I think memorials like, and by the way, what I mean by that is, is ceremonies, rituals, traditions that you can have in your family, things that are going to help you have a way of remembering what God has done for you. And God has set up these, these awesome symbols throughout scripture, um, and in the Christian age, we also have specifically baptism is a, a, a ceremony that we do. It's typically one that we do once as a, a symbol of our acceptance of Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. But we also have the regular, um, uh, what, do you, what would you call communion or the Lord's Supper that we do regularly. And it's not a specified amount of time, but we, we do this as often as we do it in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And so the idea of having memorials, things that we do as, as traditions or things that can be helpful for us to remember what God has done for us in the past can be a great thing. And notice that they didn't just do it for themselves. They also instituted things in their family so that it would provide opportunity to remind them and teach their family these lessons of what God had done for them as a people. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go and do some traditions as a uh, necessary part of salvation or something, but the reality is, you know, these kinds of traditions to to remember what God has done are helpful for us in our faith and can be a great thing. So, um, yeah, that could be cool. Like, for example, you might have uh, something that you do with your family every year about faith, right? You might have a celebration where you do that. Something like this, you might do it at other times. Anyway, I think it's a valid point. Um, some other applications. They chose to go into the house. I think this is super significant, right? It says that they painted the blood on the lintels and the doorpost, and it says that they go into their house and they stay in their house until the destroyer has passed. I don't know if you caught that as we were reading through that, but I think that's incredibly significant. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. And this is a hugely significant point. They were covered by the blood of the lamb, but they had to stay in the house. They could have the blood of the lamb covering their door and they could stay in their house a little bit. But if they came out before morning, then they were going to experience the judgment that was coming on all of Egypt. And this is significant for this reason. There are some out there who would say, once I have said yes to Jesus once, I, I am, 
I am permanently in the, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. And even if I choose to reject Jesus later, I'm still saved. I've, I've exited that saving relationship, but once I'm saved, I'm always saved. But the reality is that that's not true. You can choose, I can choose at any point to walk out of a saving relationship with Jesus. We can choose that. That freedom of choice to accept the free gift of God's grace of salvation, it doesn't just disappear because I've said yes once. I can now choose to walk away from that. This is super significant because this means that you and I are free today to choose again the grace of Jesus, to live in that grace by the power of His Spirit and to experience that salvation and stay there. But we have the choice where we can say, no, I choose to walk away from that at any time. God never violates our free will. So today's decisions matter. Powerful, powerful stuff. We can choose at any time to walk out or we can choose to stay in. Last one that I wanted to point out is that God's desire is for everyone to be saved, even Pharaoh. And we saw that throughout the story. We've drawn it out. It's, we've seen little glimpses of it, but but that, that verse, which I think is probably my favorite verse in Exodus, verse 38 of chapter 12, it says, and a mixed multitude went up with them also. And I love this because this exemplifies that God's purposes for not just Israel to be saved, but for everyone who chose to experience salvation, to walk out of there, had the opportunity to make that decision. And you and I have that opportunity. God's desire is for every person to be saved, no matter your background, whether you're churched or unchurched, you grew up in a, as a Christian or a non-Christian, God's desire is for you to be saved, and you can be by accepting the blood of Jesus over your life. So I want to encourage you today to make that decision. God's desire is for you to be saved. What are you waiting for? Today is the day. Well, my friends, we've come to the end of the show. May God bless you and keep you. Our question for next time is, what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? Stay tuned for Drive Time and whatever's going on in your life today. Remember that real faith is lived faith. Soon we'll be done with- 